Good morning again, Hershey Free. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Nick Mance. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I am just so honored that you've joined us for our worship service today. I do just want to take a moment and just recognize the reality that we have been walking through this pandemic now for a year together. This all started back in March of 2020, and I think as we entered into March, we had no idea the radical changes that would be coming. I know for many of us, our lives have looked incredibly different. They've also been incredibly difficult, and we recognize that. And please know, please know that we are here for you, that our church stands available to be a resource to you if you need to talk, if you need additional help in whatever capacity that may look like. We're here for you. We love you, and we're praying for you. And we also want to say thank you for continuing to faithfully worship with us and call Hershey for your home. We know church itself has looked different, and we recognize that. And we just want to say thank you, and we are so honored that you've continued to be partners with us as we walk through this together. So thank you, and know that we are here for you to assist you in whatever way we can. This morning, we are continuing our Love This Book series. This is a series in the Old Testament that we've been walking through, and I'm really excited because today we're going to be in a topic that I think speaks to all generations, but specifically to our kid step generation, our core generation, our 1824 students, our millennials. Like, if you are a younger person, please know that this message, like, there's a lot in here for you. But also, if you are a member of an, let's say, more seasoned generation, right? Please know that this message is also for you. There are aspects that everybody, regardless of age, can pull from this message this morning. And this message this morning, we're actually going to be talking about Josiah. And not this Josiah. Some of you may know Josiah Joseph. He's one of our staff members. He's one of our younger staff members. And he faithfully serves each day. And you might not see a lot of him. Usually he's actually behind the camera. So you actually don't get to see him often face-to-face. Sometimes you'll see him leading in worship But here's the thing. The reason I showed Josiah's picture is not simply to be like, hey, here's a Josiah, but to help us understand that that Josiah Joseph actually really helps us to, to see who King Josiah was. King Josiah was a young leader, a leader who was passionate about the gospel, a leader who was passionate about leading God's people. And as I was thinking about this message, Josiah Joseph, that imagery kept coming to mind because Josiah is very similar to that. He's passionate about God. He faithfully gives of himself each week, clocking in like over 50 to 60 hours a week, just making sure that things are working on the back end, stuff that we never even think about. Just giving of himself, but faithfully leading people to God. And today, what I want to do is I want to investigate the story of King Josiah a little bit. King Josiah was this young king in the Old Testament who not only followed God, but he served as an example of what living in a right relationship with God looks like. You see, King Josiah, he became king when he was just eight years old. And everybody before him, his grandfather, his father, they all lived in complete, complete antagonism of God. They didn't follow God. They turned away from him. And his grandfather was actually one of the most evil kings in the nation of Judah. And here's what I want us to understand, that Josiah was a difference maker, not just because of what he did, but about who he followed. In fact, check out what we read in 2 Kings 23, 25. It says, neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did, with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength, in accordance with all the law of Moses. Josiah, King Josiah, was radically different. His life was a living testimony 
to the covenant that God had with him, that the covenant God had with Israel. His relationship with God defined everything about who he was. And he did this as an eight-year-old, as a teenager, and as a young adult. And so today, what I want to do is I want to look at the story of Josiah, and I would call this story the one who was different, the one king who was different, who stood out. And I want to just kind of look at a a few different passages of scripture from the book of 2 Kings and examine who Josiah was and say, okay, what do we actually learn from this? What do we learn about who Josiah was? And then how does this relate to our lives? And we're going to see a lot of talking here about, about ages. We're going to see young Josiah, teenage Josiah, young adult Josiah. We're going to see talk about the covenant. And I want to look at what we learn about the covenant as well as intergenerational discipleship. So let's take a look at what we learn about Josiah, beginning in 2 Kings chapter 22. He was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidiah, daughter of Adiah. She was from Bozkoth. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Now check this out. This is important. Josiah became king when he was eight years old. Now, I don't know how many of you watching this are actually eight years old right now, but if you're not eight years old, can you reflect back a little bit and go, what was I doing when I was eight years old? Were you leading a nation? Were you in charge? Let's make it smaller. Were you even in charge of your house? Probably not. And we can, we can go, of course, he probably had advisors. He probably had people who were helping him. You know, how much authority did he really have? But the reality is we are told that eight years old, he became king. And he did what was right in the Lord's eyes. And what we see is Josiah, although he was eight years old, he understood who God was. And that that understanding defined everything about his life. He followed God fully. And Josiah was a king unlike any other. He lived so radically different. But let's fast forward a few years in his life. Let's go into like his early 20s a little bit and check this out. So Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan, who read it. And then Shaphan, the secretary, went to the king and reported to him, your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors of the temple. Then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robe, and he gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Ahakim the son of Shaphan, Akbor the son of Micaiah, Shaphan the secretary, and Asiah the king's attendant. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all of Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. Here's what's going on. We're a little bit later in Josiah's life. He's in his mid-20s at this point. And Josiah had commissioned his people to go and, and rebuild the temple, to go and like refurbish it. And while they're there, they stumble upon a book of the law. They find this scroll. It's from the Old Testament law. And, and it, it's intriguing here because here's the thing. We don't, as Christians, usually look at the law and go, oh, this is solid reading material. This is really interesting. We're usually like, there's a lot of laws, Right? But here's the thing. Do you notice what this book did to Josiah? It grabbed his heart. 
And it broke him because he realized the need for a savior. Josiah is someone who, who, when God's word was read to him, it radically changed his life. And he was faced with the reality that Israel, that Judah, that he needed a savior. In his mid-20s, he looks at his guys and he goes, we need to figure out what to do because this is bad. God is angry with us, and rightfully so. We have broken the covenant. The, the, the generations before us did not follow God, and now God is angry, and we need to figure out what to do, how to respond. And so he sends his, his guys. He's like, I need you to go, and I need you to go talk to one of, one of the prophets. And he actually sends them to a prophetess named Huldah. And this is really intriguing. He sends them to a female prophet. And this is, this is huge because I think this, this highlights for us Josiah's understanding of the people who were pouring into his life. That it wasn't just a singular approach from like some guys who were rebuilding the temple who were in his inner circle. He's like, no, this prophetess is also going to be able to speak God's truth into our lives. And so he sends them to hold up. And these guys get there and they're like, hey, what should we do? We did this. We read this scroll. Josiah was like, hey, come talk to you. And we read now in 2 Kings 22 again. If we pick up, Huldah says this. She says, Tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says concerning the words you have heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself, Josiah, before the Lord when, he, when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they will become a curse and be laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. Here's what we need to understand about Josiah. He's in his mid-20s at this point. He's been a king for about 18 years. He's kind of gotten it under his belt. He knows what to do. But rather than assume the right direction, what I love about Josiah is he gets in touch with godly men and women. He gets his priests, he gets the people, his secretaries who are at the temple, and he's like, "What, guys, read this to me. Tell me what you found. He's like, okay, we need to consult with Huldah, the prophetess. He's allowing men and women, godly men and women, to speak into his life, and then he responds to that. And what we see here, check this out, is Huldah goes, because of Josiah's attitude, God is going to spare him the judgment that's coming. Because of his attitude, because of the way that he came and he, he, he just put his heart out there. He's like, God, we have failed you. We need your forgiveness. We need to have right standing. Huldah goes, God is going to hold off judgment. And Josiah, you're going to lay in peace with your ancestors, meaning that you won't see the punishment that's coming. And so God, God heard Josiah's heart. He saw, he saw his honest repentance. And God responded to him. Now, here's the thing. I think this is something that's really intriguing is Josiah has a choice at this point. Josiah could have gone, dodged the bullet on that. Like, God spared me. I'm good. All right, boys, like, we're done for now. He could have just called it quits. Be like, man, God said I'm going to lay in peace, so <laughs> I got no worries. Or he could have let out. He could have done something different. He could continue to lead his people. And check out what Josiah does. Because he recognizes what God has done, this is his response in 2 Kings 23. The king stood by the pillar, and he renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord, keep his commands, his statutes and decrees with, his, with all his heart and all his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. And then all the people 
pledge themselves to the covenant. Check it out. Josiah's response to how God responded to him was to reinstate the covenant that his father and grandfather had broken with the nation of Judah. This is huge. Remember the covenant, remember the covenant is God's promise to the nation of Israel. He said, I will be my, I will be your God and Israel, you will be my people. And if you keep my commands, I will be faithful and you will prosper. But Israel continually broke God's covenant and did their own thing. And Josiah's response to God's faithfulness was to renew the covenant in front of the entire nation of Judah. And all the people affirm this, and they go, we are also pledging ourselves to this covenant. But look, Josiah takes it even further, a little bit later in the chapter, in chapter 23. Check this out. So the king gave this order to all the people. Celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God as it's written in the book of the covenant. Neither in the days of the judges who led Israel, nor in the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah had any such Passover been observed. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem. Furthermore, Josiah got rid of the mediums and spirits, spiritists and the household gods, the idols, and all the detestable things seen in Judah and Jerusalem. This he did to fulfill the requirements of the law written in the book that Hilkiah the priest had discovered in the temple of the Lord. Part of the covenant that God made with Israel is you would have no other gods before me. And he had told the, the, the kings who had come before Josiah, hey, you need to remove all the false gods from the nation of Israel. There should be no false gods, because if there are, they will pull you away from me. If you have these false idols, these false gods, you will worship them, and you will forsake me as your one and only true God. And every single king before Josiah had failed in this. They removed some of them. They didn't remove any of them. They removed certain ones, but not the others. And Josiah says, no, you know what? We are going to celebrate Passover together, but it's going to be a brand new style of Passover, one that's never happened before. Because we're going to celebrate the renewal of the covenant, and we are going to remove all of these false gods because we realize that our relationship with God is what is paramount in our lives. And what Josiah does is he renews the covenant with God for the entire nation. God took Josiah as his king, And he said, Josiah, because of your heart, you get to be the ambassador that renews the covenant with my people. And this young guy, at this point, he's 26 years old. The ruler of a nation changes everything. He leads outwards. This young leader completely, completely changes the trajectory of the nation of Judah at this time. He brings them back into a a holy covenant with God. They repent and they turn from their wicked ways. He removes all the things that were causing them to turn from God. And we see during the reign of Josiah that the covenant prospered. So I think as we look at this text, we can go, okay, there's a lot here. And like, honestly, there's a lot more than we can cover in this message today. And I want to encourage you, if you have time, if you haven't already, read through the story of Josiah in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. There are some amazing amazing things that happen in his story. And I would just really encourage you to just see how God uses young people in that story. But as we look at this text today, we need to go, okay, what do we learn from this? Like, do we just go, hey, we install eight-year-olds as like the leaders of government and we just go from there? I don't think that's what we're supposed to do. I mean, maybe, maybe one day we'll have a kid pre- president who's awesome and should be installed, but I don't know if that's what we're looking at here. But what I do think we learn is this. 
is that young leaders can be, and I would assert they are, vibrant leaders. Let me, let me kind of highlight this for you. An eight-year-old became a king. And I would assert to you that if you go down to Kid Step on a Sunday morning and you watch these kids worship, you watch them read and study God's word, you watch them go and talk to their friends about Jesus, you will see leadership happening. Let me encourage you like, to check out our middle school or high school programming sometime and see the leaders that we have there. We have students serving all over on a Sunday morning. We have students serving in their, in their schools and in their communities. We have students bringing their friends to church and, and introducing them to Jesus, and we see those students getting baptized. I'd encourage you to check out our millennials, our 1824 classes, and to see what God is doing in and through the lives of our young people. So the first thing that we learn is young people can and are vibrant leaders. I would also assert to you that, that we as older generations, I kind of put myself in that bracket now because I am often reminded by our students that I am no longer young. Go figure, right? So I keep my hair short so nobody sees the gray. But here's the thing. We as older generations have an obligation to pour into younger people. Let me, let me kind of highlight this from the text real quick. We have Hilda, the prophetess. We have the priest and the secretaries. We have Josiah's mom, and they're all pouring into him. As an eight-year-old onward, they are pouring into him to help shape him and to grow him and to mature him and to show him who God is. We have an obligation to lead outwards to the younger generations. You know, part of what we are doing as a church right now is we talk about having this bridge-building initiative where we are intentionally looking to reach younger people. Not because we are, we are discounting all the other generations. It's not what we're doing at all. But what we are saying is we see the impact that older generations can have. And in order for our church to continue, we need to continue to bring in people, to bring in young people so the church can grow. And we're saying with that in mind, we have the opportunity, the blessing, the calling to pour into them, to shepherd them, to disciple them, to walk with them and point them to God. It is an awesome opportunity that God has called us to. And I think when we do that, we will see young people leading out as God has intended for them. We will see them taking bold measures in their faith and standing up for God and being the leaders we need within our churches. So we have that calling to pour into younger people. And I also think, though, that we all, regardless of age or generation, have an obligation to lead outwards. And here's what I mean by that. If we look at this text as a whole, Josiah, Hilkiah, uh, Holda, Josiah's mom, the secretaries, all these individuals lead outwards. They knew God's word and they had every opportunity to go, we know like we're avoiding like the punishment, right? But instead they led out. Hilkiah poured into Josiah. Holda poured into Josiah. Josiah poured out to his people. We have an obligation to lead outwards. People should see God in us, regardless of age or generation, from our littlest kid step individual to the oldest members of our congregation. We have a calling and an obligation to serve God by spreading his gospel. We have an obligation to lead outwards. But I also think we learn that God's word should move us towards action and a restored relationship. Here's what I mean by that. 
In chapter 23, we read about Josiah reinstating the covenant with the nation of Judah. And here's what happens. Josiah was so moved by hearing a passage from the book of the law that it broke his heart for God. It broke his heart for his people. And here's the thing. As followers of Jesus, we shouldn't just read God's word and go, all right, cool story, and move on. God's word should impact our lives. It should move within our hearts. It should move us to action. It should break us for what breaks God's heart. We should look at this world and go, man, this world needs Jesus. And what it should do is it should move us toward action. We're like, man, we have to make sure that we're reaching people for Jesus. But it's also going to move us towards a restored relationship. Because much like it showed Josiah, the errors of past generations, it shows us where we can grow and mature and move past the sins in our lives. It shows us a restored relationship. So I think we learn these things, but we need to go, okay, what are some of the practical applications? What are some of the things from that then that we can actually put into action? Well, first, I think we need to ask ourselves some questions. We need to ask a few questions. The first is, how am I living with Jesus? This goes back to like the, the covenant question, talk about our relationship with him. And living with Jesus is part of the language we use when we talk about live, living with, loving like, and leading others to Jesus, right? It's our live, love, lead mission. We're leading others into relationship with him. But like, in order to do that, we need to assess, we need to do a heart check of how our relationship with Jesus is. Are we living in right standing with him? Do our lives represent him to the world at large? When people see us, do they see Jesus? Because only when we have a restored relationship then can we begin to pour outwards. We can't, do, we can't, we can't pour into people if we're not getting poured into. And that's that next question right? Who is pouring into me and who am I pouring into? Here's the thing. I love to think of this analogy of two pitchers, right? If you just have one pitcher and you're just constantly pouring out, man, you're going to pour out till you're dry. But what we should be doing, what we should be doing is we should be pouring into other people who are pouring into other people who are pouring into other people who are pouring into other people. So never are we out and dry. We are constantly getting poured out and we're flowing outwards of the abundance of being poured into. And so partly what we need to be doing is exactly what happened in the life of Josiah. He got poured into by Hilkiah and by Huldah and multiple other, other leaders and adults in his life. And then Josiah pulled, poured out to the nation. So who are you? Who, who is pouring out into you and who are you pouring out into? Third question for application then is how am I leading our younger generations? And here's what I mean by this. It is imperative that as more seasoned generations that we pour into the younger ones. We are not trying to sway them. We're not trying to to say, hey, you have to do everything the way I did it or you have to do it this way because that's the way it's always worked. In fact, I would tell you, man, I have been incredibly humble when I see students who take up the truth of the gospel and I try to say, hey, this is the way to do it. And they're going, but Nick, it works this way and it works better and it's humbling. But at the same time, I see them taking the truths that we are studying And saying, I can apply these, Nick, but let me do it in a way that works for me. And it's like, man, run with that. They're not going to do things the way that we did. They're not going to always want to to follow in our footsteps. You know what? Praise God. Because if Josiah had followed in the footsteps and done the things that his father and grandfather did, we'd have a very different story. But instead, he listened to godly individuals, godly men and women, and said, okay, I'm going to take what you've taught me, and I'm going to pour out, and I'm going to lead this generation and have them follow God. He did it very differently, and that's okay. 
But we need to go, okay, so how am I leading then in the younger generations? Is it by getting involved in Kid Step? Is it by getting involved in CORE or 1824 or Millennials? Is it, is, it, is it by simply praying for our younger generations? And not in a, a, a defeatist way, not going, dear God, like bring them back to you like this world is corrupt, but saying, God, you are raising up leaders in this church. God, empower them. Empower them to step out in faith and in boldness. God, empower them to be the leaders that you have called them to be, God. How are we leading our younger generations? And honestly, if you're here and you're, you're watching this and you're in 1824, millennials, kid step, or in core, hang on. There are younger generations that you too can be leading into. You're not the only younger generation. There will always be somebody younger that we can disciple and pour into. So how are you as well pouring into the younger generations? And then lastly, I think we need to ask the question about how am I leading and influencing all generations? Because check this out. Josiah just didn't lead younger people. He led a nation. He led people from all over. And so what we need to realize is that, that even as young people, you can lead upwards. You can be an example. You can lead and influence other generations by how you're leading out in faith. Just as older generations can lead outwards and lead into the younger ones, we can lead across all generations. It doesn't just have to be into the youngers, but that is an awesome opportunity that we have. How are we leading and influencing all generations? But what about some action steps? I think there are three that we can actually put into action today. And the first is this, begin investing in younger younger generations through intergenerational discipleship. Here's what I mean by that. That's a big phrase, intergenerational discipleship, and I think it can be kind of scary. It's not. Intergenerational discipleship is about doing life and showing people Jesus as you walk with them. Like if you come over the core or or the kid step at some point and you just watch the leaders there, it is so beautiful to watch them just pouring into young people. And, and I, could, I could preach on this all day. This is what I'm passionate about, about seeing our younger generations poured into and raised up as they lead outwards. We have some leaders in core who, who can look at our current leaders and go, they were one of my students. They were one of my students. That was a second generation student. That was a third generation. And that second and third generation are now leaders within core, leading a small group themselves, pouring into a whole new generation. Intergenerational discipleship is about doing life with people, loving them, pointing them to Jesus, and challenging them to grow in their faith. It's not scary. It's an awesome opportunity. And let me encourage you to begin thinking about what that could look like, whether here at the church or in your neighborhoods, in your schools, whatever that looks like. How can you be a vessel for that? If you're a student, man, how are you leading in Kid Step? How are you leading the younger generation? If you're a Kid Step kid, hey, how are you leading in your classrooms? How are you pointing people to Jesus? Because you can do that too. I think the next thing is this, is by having, having intentional conversations with younger people. Let me tell you something. We have amazing young people in this church. I am constantly floored by what I, I learn and understand in talking to young people, whether students, whether children, whether young adults. We have some amazing people in this building amazing young people who are standing up boldly and leading out in their faith. And it would be so awesome just to engage in conversations with them. One of my favorite things that happens when we go on trips is we typically do a commissioning, whether for a missions trip or a summer camp. And we have people who pray over our students. We bring them into the, into the sanctuary. We get to pray over them together. I still have students come to me, students who have graduated going, Nick, do you know that when we went on that summer trip, Somebody got that postcard with my name and where I was going on it. Nick, they text me every day telling me they're still praying for me. Nick, they text me telling me they love me, that I have a home, that I have a church that has my back. 
Do you know how encouraging that is to, to people who are trying to figure out where God is directing them, what God is calling them to do, to know that there are people who love them, who are pouring into them? That's just a conversation. That's a text message. Imagine if, if we took that as our calling. If we said, hey, for all generations, we're going to pour into the younger ones, the ones that come after us. And we're going to find ways to intentionally have conversations and pour into their lives. What that could do, not just for this church, but for the whole church, for the world, if that's how we engaged. But I think the other action step is this, is that we need to pursue God and lead as he has intended us to. God has called us into a covenant relationship with him, with Jesus Christ. And in order to lead outwards, in order to be able to pour into people, we need to be pursuing God. He needs to be our focus. He needs to be our identity. He needs to be what shapes who we are. That needs to be the finality of our lives. And so we need to pursue God and then allow for him to lead in us as he intended us to lead. I share with you in the beginning a picture of Josiah. I want to share with you a few other pictures before we close. This is a picture from 2019, Christmas time. This is one of my favorite pictures that we have of our kid step kids. If you notice, there's only one adult in this picture that we can see right now, and that's Pastor Bob over here, right? He kind of blends in really well, right? But check this out. These are children in kids' step. Many of them Josiah's age or younger, leading our church in worship. These are the leaders of our church, leading outwards, shepherding people, being examples of Jesus to our world. I want to show you another picture. This is a picture from a couple years ago when our middle schoolers went on a summer camp to Camp Orchard Hill. When I look at this picture, I see multiple students who have been baptized and stepped out in faith. When I look at this picture, I see multiple students who are faithfully serving in our Kid Step program. When I look at this picture, I see leaders in their schools. I see leaders who are stepping up within student ministries to serve. This is our high school at our winter retreat, actually right before... COVID hit. When I look at this picture, I see students who are serving as missionaries currently. I see students who are feeling that God is directing them to be pastors. I see students who have said, Nick, I recognize as a senior Nick, God's calling for us to pour into the younger generations, Nick. And so I want to come back and serve as a leader to be there for students like leaders were there for me. I see students who have reached out to their friends in their school and said, hey, I want you to come to church. And those students have come to know Jesus and have gotten baptized. Students and children are millennials, our 1824 group. They are leaders. The question for us is this. Are we going to lead outwards towards them? Are we going to pour into their lives and help to cultivate an intergenerational community of discipleship? where we are all pouring into one another in an effort to see the kingdom of heaven expand and grow? Will we commit to staying in our covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, allowing that to define who we are as we invest in the generations around us? So that way the gospel goes forth. Will you pray with me? Awesome Father in heaven, we thank you that you, when you sent your son, that he intentionally invested into the younger generation, that he pulled 12, 12 high school guys together and said, hey, in you I see the future, in you I see my church. Father, may we be a church that intentionally invests in intergenerational discipleship. May we lead out as we are being poured into, Father, 
May we be a church that is passionate about pouring into people as you are about pouring into us, Father. May we be a church where anybody, regardless of age, knows that they have a home, knows that they are loved and cared for, and this is a place for them. Father, may we be a church that leads well to all generations. We pray this in your name. Amen. Again, I just want to say thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for being intentional and being a part and worshiping with us on a Sunday. We love you guys. We are praying for you, and I hope you have a very, very blessed week.